As much as people depend on us as leaders, you need someone who believes in you. You need a place to be open and honest with someone who's walked in your shoes and wants to help you become the leader you are meant to be. This is that place with those kind of people. Welcome to the Relational Leader Podcast with your host, Randy Bazette. Each episode will sit down and engage in life-giving conversation, unpacking leadership's greatest challenges. And now, your host, Randy Bazette. Well, hello and welcome again to another episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. I am so excited you're joining us. This is a really cool special edition. I have a great friend of mine. His name is Pastor Jamie. He pastors an incredible church in Ireland and in Dublin, uh, Lighthouse Church. Uh, He's got an incredible wife and three crazy Irish boys. I don't know if I should even repeat myself saying crazy Irish. I think it kind of goes without being said, right? Uh, They are. They're they're great kids, a great family, pastors an incredible church, and uh, he serves as well on the leadership of CCI and also He's on the lead team of ARC Ireland. That means he has a huge passion uh, for planting other churches and empowering other leaders. And we just thought we'd get together today and talk a little bit about some of the similarities and things that are happening in Europe and uh, all over the UK and uh, how we're handling these things in this pandemic in the US and over there as well. You guys are going to enjoy it. Jamie, good to have you. Hi, everyone. Uh, Welcome to the podcast today. My name is Jamie, and I am the lead pastor of Lighthouse Church based out of Dublin, Ireland, and also part of the ARC lead team here in uh, this wonderful part of the world. A massive welcome to Pastor Randy Bazette, and welcome you in your own podcast, which is kind of strange, but uh, we're doing this new thing, which is we're kind of putting together a conversation, not only for your audience, uh, Pastor Randy, but also for the amazing leaders that we have out here in Europe who are you know, really in the front lines in Italy and Spain and France and the UK and in Ireland in trying to navigate this new reality of COVID-19. So obviously your audience know you very well, but for the sake of our friends in this part of the world, tell us a little bit about who you are, your story. Uh, you and Amy started this amazing church called Bayside Church. Just help us to get to know you more and tell us your story, Randy. Well, uh, thanks, Jamie. I'm really honored to, to speak to everyone uh, that's listening to this podcast all over Europe, Ireland. And I am originally from Louisiana. I think, that especially with the Irish people, we ought to get along great because we're both kind of rebels. You know, I got kicked out of France, my family, and then we got kicked out of Canada and ended up in Louisiana. I mean, which is the armpit of America. I mean, honestly, there's nothing beautiful. He has a lot in common. It's, I tell people, Louisiana. It's a great place to be from, <laughs> not to still be. <laughs> so that's where I was born and raised. And Amy and I were doing ministry there, a fabulous church. Larry Stockstill is my pastor, Bethany World Prayer Center. Did ministry there for years, but just felt God calling me to start a church. And when you live in Louisiana, everywhere is the promised land. <laughs> so, uh, but especially Florida. And I uh, just drove around the different places in the U.S. that I had a heart for and ended up here in Florida because I like golf. I like Disney World. I like beaches. I like warm weather. And then I found Psalm 37.4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. So I say, God, I'm going to Florida. You give me the desires of my heart. This is way better than some cold place. So we moved here in September or July of 2002 
started Bayside in September of 2002. We were ARC church plant number five. We've now planted over 900 churches. We were number five. Of course, I serve on the board, the the leadership there of ARC. And uh, so it is a long story. That's not really the purpose of this podcast, but it's been as many lows as there have been highs. And even today, no matter the size of the church, uh, there's several people that if I could make them leave the church right now, I'd be a lot happier. And then there are a lot of people at the church that I wish there were more of them. And I'm lacking enough money and volunteers and leaders. And it doesn't matter the scope of the, the size of the church. The scope of that need is just, is just different. So uh, I'm honored to be where God has brought us. Uh, but there's just different problems or different magnitudes of those. But God truly has been good to us. Oh, good. It seems to me from talking to people like yourself and friends around the world in our ARC network that uh, really there's the same problems, it's just a matter of scale, isn't it? So it's so encouraging to hear um, someone in your position going through the exact same challenges that we go through every single week uh, here in Europe also. Um, those were normal challenges up until a month ago, right? Um, things have changed. changed. Yes. <laughs> COVID-19 thing has just completely changed the world in which we live in. Let me ask you this question. How has it affected you guys at Bayside? What are some challenges you have faced? And what are some things that perhaps you weren't doing before that you're doing now that's different as a result? Well, for you to ask the question, how has it affected Bayside or what areas has it impacted? And uh, I would tell you, Without any hesitation, it has affected every single flipping area. It just the whole church is upside down. I mean, everybody's world is nothing like it was uh, for us four weeks ago, the, the day that we're recording this podcast, exactly four weeks ago. Uh, for us, it happened on Friday the 13th in March. Uh, what an interesting day. 13th, man. There's a superstition yeah, exactly. there. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely got to be something demonic with all this stuff, you know. But uh, everything's different, Jamie. I mean, really, we have, uh, I think our vision has not changed, but how we accomplish that has been totally flipped upside down. And I know we're going to talk about a lot of that today, but seriously, everything is different. And and at first, I don't know, at first I was like, what's the big deal? Why are people overreacting to this? And I don't even, I feel so stupid saying that right now. Because look at what is happening around the world now. But honestly, I, I treated it with a little bit of contempt at first, thinking it was a flu. You know, take an aspirin and call me in the morning kind of a thing. But yeah. uh, shows you how smart us Cajuns are. <laughs> I think, um, to be honest, I, and I was listening to, uh, I was just saying to you before we got on here that I was listening to the last episode in the podcast um, where you talked about leading through crisis and uh, Greg and Dino were on. And I just really appreciate your humility uh, in that, yeah, I mean, I think everyone pretty much can put their hand up and say when we first got wind of this, it was kind of, we were a bit dis- dismissive. Uh, maybe it was a glorified uh, flu and the media are just, you know, using it as another another scare tactic to get headlines. But uh but we, we learned pretty quickly, didn't we, that this is more than just a flu. I mean, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, I would love to talk about all that. I, you know, I, I guess if I were running the country or the world, I'd probably do some things different. But you know what? It's always easy to sit in this perspective and look at other people and judge them. And so, honestly, I think uh, the way our country is handling this, 
uh, there's a lot that's done right. But we'll, you know, in every situation, as a pastor, I think I'm doing a really good job of handling this. But I'm gonna look back at this and I'm gonna go, oof, uh, I could have done a whole lot different. So good. One of the things that that I really admire about about you, knowing you, I have the privilege of knowing you from it, not just a distance, but obviously being a Bayside, getting to hang out with you, is that. Uh, your leadership isn't just a platform thing. You know, you're an amazing husband, an amazing father, uh, amazing friend, amazing pastor. On a personal level, with the world changed as it is so radically because of COVID, what are you doing to take care of yourself? I saw a post the other day that you and Amy were doing a workout and you had this hashtag, which I never saw, which I thought was quite cool, which was win the morning, win the day. Uh, and I kind of thought that is, so, that is so you, you know, just this philosophy of trying to be intentional. Um, I'm being real. Talk to me a little bit about how you're taking care of yourself. What are you doing? So uh, I'm a very uh, strategic, planned out. Um, I'm a fun and kind of, you know, kick it around kind of guy, but I'm also very linear. And uh, it's a weird balance, actually, that I always have internally between having fun and que sera, sera, whatever will be, would be, and also very strategic. So uh, when this whole thing hit, I went into uh, crisis mode. I guess is what you could say, where what's the problem? How do we solve it? Let's get it done. Uh, uh, reorganize the entire church structure. I brought a team together to help me lead it. And we just, we went in the right crisis mode. Like I said, we, we got to bail all the water out of this thing as fast as we can. So it doesn't sink. So what do we need to do? And, and we ran hard for two and a half, three weeks, actually. And it was just all the time going, going, going. Uh, and so I don't, I wasn't necessarily physically tired. I, I wasn't necessarily spiritually tired. I, I kind of think I'm made for moments like this. Honestly, Jamie, mm-hmm. I just no, normally as a pastor, I'm ticked off around here because things aren't moving <laughs> fast enough for me. And I'm always holding on to so much, but I want to give vision, but people can't keep up with, with what I want to give vision wise. Well, in moments like this, we're going so fast. I'm loving it. I'm like invigorated. I'm like, yeah, man, look at all we're doing. Uh, but you can't run that pace no matter who you are for very long. And I noticed that I was beyond physical tired or emotional tired or spiritually tired. It was, it was something else. And, and here's what the, the epiphany that I had was that because life is not normal, I need to create as much normalcy as I can. Good. Because... I hate sideways energy. Now, when there's a crisis and all hands on deck, but at some point in time, you have to pull back a little bit, reevaluate life, and control what you can control. And I thought, I still can control my schedule. So I decided to start going to bed at my normal time again, getting up in the morning and following my routine, which is, for me, I get up, uh, I spend my time with, with God first, and then I work out. And then after I work out, I attack the day and I do all that before everybody else gets up and I decided I'm getting back into that. And then that has already, I've been doing that now for uh, this entire week and I feel myself, you know, being more productive and I don't feel as tired and worn out anymore while I'm feeding my spirit, man. Again, I was just running on what I already had. So now that spending time with God and, and working out has me now, I think, clicking on all eight cylinders again. That's really inspirational because, like I said, I mean, I've, I've been there to Bayside and I've been hanging, I've had times to hang out with you and, you know, in the mornings, you know, you weren't available because you were doing that. 
that routine. And actually, I've been on the road with you a couple of times at conferences, and I've met you at 6.30 a.m. in the gym. And so it's so good to see leaders be who they say they are in all seasons and to mm -hmm. have that congruence that I think is just so important. And I suppose what I took from it personally was, man, it, I had to get myself in a routine. It doesn't matter if I'm in Florida or if I'm in, in Dublin. You know, just trying to, like you said, put some normalcy back into the chaos uh, is really good. You Can know, I take your, that leadership? Hashtag, Go ahead. But let, let me, let me, I didn't really speak to your question in this regard about winning the morning, winning the day. I think, uh, you know, I believe in tithing and that's in every facet, finances, time, everything. So when you give God the first part, he blesses the rest. So yep. that's why winning the morning is so important. So that's why I started with God. And then I, I start with Randy. And then if I put those things first, then the rest of the day, I think it has a much better chance of taking care of itself. So uh, anyway, that's what the hashtag was all about. So good. What about your team? Like, again, scaling it down, uh, most guys and gals listen to this today. They've got, they're responsible for, yes, a church. And we'll talk a little bit more. Uh, leadership practicums in a second but most people have a team around them that help make all this happen uh, your team obviously scale wise is a little bit larger than most of ours over here but this is the same challenge what, what are you doing to help take care of your team right now that's a great question and um, you know I, honestly sometimes I can get so busy running that I forget about the people that you know are running with me and uh, they need pastoring and help too and uh, I, so for me, yes, whether it's paid staff, which, which we have a lot of, or whether it's volunteer staff, which is, I've been in that season before too. And it doesn't matter whether they're getting paid or not. I think you actually can take for granted those that you're paying because you're like, I'm paying you to, to, to do this. So, you know, get your butt in gear. But they have, uh, they have problems and they need a pastor as well. So we kind of implemented this uh, checking on everybody or the relational aspect of this, we decided to put on overdrive. I mean, just pump it full of steroids and just go super relational in all of this. And, and really, it just kind of revolved around asking really three questions. How are you doing? Like, no, really. They said, oh, we're doing fine. No. How, how are you doing spiritually? How are you doing financially? How is your family doing relationally? All those things. Really, like, give me an update a state of the union address on your own life. How, how are you doing kind of a thing? And then are there any needs that we can assist in, uh, with you and your family? So there's how you're doing. So what, what do you need from us? How can we help? And then how can I pray for you? What's the top thing on your prayer list? And so we just started doing that. And we implemented that, Jamie, from the executive level, if you will. And then they do that with their team and do that with their team. And it trickles down all the way to uh, volunteer leaders, to then volunteers that are just serving on their team. It actually, I, you know, I don't know if you guys understand what this means, trickle down. Uh, that, was, that term was coined years ago when President Bush was uh, president of America. And he was talking about how he could handle the finances of the church by taking care of the top level. And it would trickle down to the end user, to the, to the lowest people in the economy. And I truly believe that in the church, if we'll, if we'll take care of those that directly report to us and then say, you go and do likewise, okay, and you take care of them, it'll trickle down and everybody in your church at some point in time should be touched. And so that's kind of the mode we went into right away. I suppose you'd call it a culture of care <clears throat> that begins at the highest level and works the way through. 
No, I didn't call it that, but I am now. And do I have to give you <laughs> credit, credit for that? Because no, that's good. I'm pretty sure someone else cares. <laughs> you go. You go. Lead by example. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think it was Maxwell that said, "Leaders are learners, and learners are readers." Um, you know, some of the smartest leaders I know may not have you know gotten PhDs from college, but um, are redisciplined. I won't say they love reading, but they're disciplined in reading. Um, I know you're one of those guys really intentional about your reading. What, what have you read recently? And perhaps what are you reading right now? It's helping you in this season. Well, right now I don't really have any books I'm reading because I'm reading, I'm listening to so many podcasts and reading so many podcast, blogs, yeah. you know, about everything that's right now that is dealing with this pandemic around the world. So, mm-hmm. uh, honestly i'm not reading any books right now you know i'm spending all my time devouring everything i can with this leadership crisis that we're in and uh so anyway that's that's kind of what i'm I'm reading i'm just looking all over the place there's lots of great leaders so current great current shows. like yeah current like leadership stuff that's coming out daily um that's kind of stuff you're looking at right now yeah i'm looking you know the uh craig rochelle's stuff like that that he's putting out uh, greg surratt uh, is is doing podcasts and things right now that are brilliant. Uh, Carrie Newhoff, uh, who is uh, is a great collaborator of information, and uh, I love I'm learning so much from all of those things. So that's kind of where I'm getting my ideas from right now. The only book I'm reading right now is the Bible. I was going to ask, you know, because it might be helpful. So I'm glad yeah, well, to hear I, that. I saw you coming with that. I just could feel it. My my senses were tingling, so I knew where you were going, so I just closed the door on that. Boom. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to hear. There you have it, listeners. Pastor Ronnie does read the Bible. Amen. Okay, um, shifting gears a little bit, let's transition uh, into some leadership um, stuff. Um, you know, a big part of church life, no matter what church tradition or philosophy someone uh, is adhering to, is the whole area of evangelism. We talk about sometimes as the front door. We want to keep the front door open to people who are far from God. In terms of right now, this current COVID reality um, and the kind of weekend experience, you know, been taken away in a meeting sense, what are you guys doing to keep the front door as wide open as possible? So we have a whole lot more people watching church now than ever came to church. Uh, and you don't even know how many people that is because it's just devices. You can get analytics on all that stuff. So it, and then it's really hard to know, are they just watching us or are they listening to verdict and, been listening to us or whatever it is and tracking attendance right now it, I, we track it because we want to know what platforms are working and times and all that stuff but as a true attendance of our church um I, I don't i don't think it's extremely accurate but we are measuring it and we are trying to use it because it, it is our weekend service it is the thing that we put a lot of emphasis yeah. in to, to reach people so uh, what are we doing to kind of grow that? I think it's still true like it was when we were meeting physically. The best advertisement for your church is word of mouth. So we want this thing to grow organically. So we're just empowering all the people in our church. Hey, share you know, on your own social medias. Share what's going yeah. on. Invite your friends, that kind of stuff. And honestly, it's, it's growing great. We, it keeps growing more and more every week. And we're not, we haven't done any money like sponsoring or anything. I'm not spending any money on anything right now. Wow. What do you have in your head or an idea of what percentage maybe, uh, 
you know, how many more people are engaging, let's say, with the weekend service because it's online as it is now? Oh, I think it's probably double or a little more wow. than what the weekend attendance was. It's just, yeah, it's, it's insane. It, it really is. Uh, and what, what you I mentioned, know, you're, you're trying to figure out what platforms work best. What's working best for you guys there? Uh, well, you know, for, for us uh, here in America, Facebook, I think this is global, actually. It, Facebook is the, is the number one social media platform. And uh, you could add up all the other platforms, users, and it all of them together wouldn't equal Facebook. So it, it's the it's the big deal. And so we stream live from there and all of that's great. Uh, so we also have created Facebook groups. We have multi-site. We have we have eight different locations. So every campus created a, a watch party is what they call them. It's a Facebook group. And so it allows people at that location to go to that Facebook watch party, that Facebook group. And so we've created, in essence, quote, digital foyers so that people can go to their campus and see the people that they normally would see and kind of at least interact with them on social media. So it keeps that somewhat of a semblance of connectivity because when this yeah. thing gets turned off and we start going to church again, they, they need to have that those friends again. So we didn't we wanted to decentralize it, is guess is what I'm trying to say, and yeah. put that into uh, you know each of our locations. I think a lot of churches a good thing to do is to decentralize it. So maybe have your small groups, uh, your serve teams, people like that, creating watch parties and inviting their friends to come or people that were serving on their teams. Because that's how you, in essence, keep the front door wide open and keep those people coming. Because one day yeah. when we go back to church again, those relationships are going to be important. And for us, it's campus pastors, too. I need them to stay connected with their campus pastor or yeah. it, it, whatever it is with that leader. Because you don't want to be the only one doing all the pastoral connectivity once church turns back on. So you got to keep those relationships intact. That's awesome. And what's so exciting about that is, like you said, Facebook is, it's global. It's not, it's not, you know, um, geographically limited to your region. And you, you said you're not putting any money into it. You're just using Facebook as is. And that's something that all of us can take and apply even this week. Um, and I would encourage leaders to look into that because to have a, what you say, a 50% increase, I mean, that's huge um, in terms of exposure for the church. No, oh, no, it's doubled. Double. So it's a hundred percent increase. That's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, God, and so I, I don't know all the, I'm not the, the guru on the social media, but I believe it to be true that if you're not doing Facebook live for your weekend services that you should, because when you go live, it goes to the top of the feed. So when people open up Facebook, uh, their, their wall there with people writing stuff, live events are like top priority. So it's actually yeah. also exposure to people who do not come to your church because they'll see that. Now, the problem with Facebook Live, so here's the other side of this, and I'm, I know we're going to talk about finances, but there's no way to put a, a giving button there for people to give their tithes and offerings. So that's a huge downside because you got to pay for church still, uh, but yeah. still it's a great medium to reach people. Cool. Okay, so like front door, still doing Sunday, you know, doing things with the idea that we will come back to gathers of church, so we got to think about in, in that in that. Uh, way. What about the back door? You know, we, we've talked, you know, different 
times about you know the importance of people being connected relationally in church and one of the main ways that most of our churches do that is through small groups now with the kind of quarantine thing and people not being able to meet how have you navigated keeping the back door closed keeping people connected relationally uh, at this time yeah that's uh so important and we just called all of our group leaders that we have and we asked them if they would continue to lead a group in a digital group. So we basically created a resource to teach people how to use Zoom and uh, so that everybody could be empowered to do that and then to lead a group digitally so they would still get with their teams. So that was the, one of the first things that we did because we had to get people connected beyond just watching, you know, like a uh, the stuff that we broadcast is one-way communication, but it's not relational. So we need to keep the groups going. And a, a lot of people did. We've actually had great success. I don't remember the numbers of the groups that are happening right now. That's, that's not necessarily important, but it is a large number of people. And uh, I, I forget, I think we're somewhere around 80% of the people uh, on a weekend attendance. Now, this was prior to COVID. 80% of the people that uh, come to church on the weekends we're in a group wow. so it's incredible. That it, it's just it, it because it's a big thrust for us it's very important and so we just had to figure out a new way to do that and it's through zoom groups so that was step one the closing the back door then also we were doing simultaneously we started calling everybody on our database that was 65 and older because those are the people that, that we could mm -hmm. identify immediately that were at risk the most what do you need how can we help you Th those questions yeah how are you doing what do you need and how can we pray for you and we called i think it was 3500 uh families on our wow. active database that were that were that age and so we put together you know our staff there's so many of our staff now that don't have anything to do because they're involved in weekend services <laughs> so they they were on the call center making those calls. We made those calls in, in a, just a matter of days. And then the uh, other thing to close the back door is then people that were 65 and older, we, we already called them. Then the people that were in groups already are being personally taken care of. So then there's a whole nother database of fringe people, right? Uh, that aren't serving. They're not in a group and they're not over 65. We started calling all of them and I'm pretty sure that those will all be finished being called, uh, you know, in the next day or two. Wow. So just going super relational. Now, here's the deal, to be honest with you. Everybody's calling. They're asking those three questions. Sometimes you leave a voicemail. You don't talk to people. And so the list isn't done until everybody has been personally communicated to. So they yeah. go through the list. And now I'm making them go back and call the ones that are blank lines, if you will. I left a voicemail, but I didn't talk. And so to, yeah. we're, we're going to circle back around. Yeah. That's fantastic. It's really cool. And again, Zoom is a technology that um, it's really accessible. I think it's like 15 bucks a month. Um, we're using it for all of our small groups. Exact same thing. It's totally scalable. And we're doing it here. The exact same thing here. Not the same numbers that you're doing it, but phone calls and Zoom calls are, are things that all of us can do to keep people relationally connected at this time. It's really, really good, Pastor Randy. It'd be a great investment, $15, right, to connect with your church relationally. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. 
So we talked front door, talked back door. Let's talk about in between the two doors, AC in Florida, heating here in Ireland. <laughs> and let's talk about money. Let's, let's talk about okay, how do you keep the how do you keep the bills going? How do you keep the place cold or hot depending on where you are? Obviously, most churches. I think the first week it was shock um, as people kind of try to figure out what does it mean for them personally, financially. Leaders think about budgets, staff, you know, buildings, all these things. What has been your thinking around finance? What is your financial strategy right now as you look at this COVID-19 reality? Specifically thinking, like, what are you doing to grow and maintain your tithes and offerings? Do you have a spending strategy as to what is okay, what is not okay? Um, what, are, what are your thoughts around those things? So, um, first of all, I'd like to back up, Jamie, and speak to how we should live our lives and manage our church's finances so that yep. when these moments come, because moments like this come, I don't mean pandemics, but moments of crises come. And what are you going to do in those moments? It'd be better to set up a kind of win the morning, win the day kind of a thing, some principles that you're going to live by. So when those bad days come, you're, you're kind of, you know, you're hashtag ready, if you will. <laughs> so uh, I think, I live my personal life this way. I've led the church this way. We give the first 10%. We save the next 10%. And then we live on the rest. And when you do that, it, you know, thank God for a nest egg. And it's, it's painful sometimes because I need to hire a person. I need to buy this. I need to do that. Or I need to reward somebody that's working their butt off. And, and you do. However, uh, if you can ever get through a year of living that way, then the, the, all of a sudden it becomes easier. You've kind of gotten in a routine. So uh, I encourage everybody to do that. Now for us, when this thing hit, we actually were in pay raise season. So for us, we do all of our reviews in March. We get past, you know, the, we don't do them at the end of the year. It's too crazy. We don't do them at the beginning of the year because we're in 21 days of prayer and fasting and vision and there's just so much going on. So we let all that in and then we get into February and March, actually in March, we do those and pay raises start in April for us. Okay. Well, I told you that is because as soon as this happened, we just went, we just made a comment to all staff, zero pay raises this year. We're not even doing staff evaluations right now. We're not spending any money that we don't have to spend. So I just basically put a moratorium on spending money. So that was the first thing we did. And uh, we're still paying salaries and, and all the things that we're doing, but we were able to cut a lot of money every week from things that were directly related to weekend service, rent, air conditioning. We have some portable locations still in schools here that we're not paying rent for. Uh, we got rid of some 1099 people that like cleaning services for after, uh, after we have We'd weekend call services. contractors here. Contractors. Yeah, contractors. Okay. We got rid of contractors. We just cut all of that stuff that we didn't need right away. And I didn't cut any staff because I just, I wanted to live in this thing a month to kind of see where we are. Well, uh, I told people we're going to spend money right now that is essential. What is essential? Uh, if, if we can pull it off without buying it, we will. In fact, not if we can, we will. I had my team come up to me and said, we got to rearrange the cameras in the auditorium so that we can, you know, do this thing in a different way now. And we did, 
And he said, we're going to need about $10,000 to move to Cameron. I said, you, I looked at him seriously. It was like as dumb as I could look at him. Like, you, you got, you got to be kidding me. I said, what do you not understand about no? Yeah. <laughs> we're not spending any money. You figure out a way to do it with what we already have. Which, which by the way, I already couldn't. It's good to see that production um, people are the same worldwide too. <laughs> it oh, always costs a lot of money, money to move a camera. <laughs> yeah, they're going to move my camera. It's going to cost me 10 grand. Are you kidding me? I, give me two. I'll do it for two. I move for, exactly, yeah. Half price. <laughs> give me a deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, no. Uh, listen, I don't think they're evil or whatever, but it, course, if it was their own money, would they ask for that? No way. So, uh, and we're not, we don't buy, we quit buying food. Like if we're having meetings and we may bring sandwiches, I told everybody, you start bringing your own lunch to work. If we're having a meeting that's going through lunch, is this is when we were still gathering. Uh, we could do up to 10 people or whatever it is. We still, it was like, bring your own lunch. So what am I trying to say here, Jamie? We cut out everything except yeah. the essentials. We're paying salaries. We're still giving money to our missions partners. We're still giving our 10%. We're doing all of those things. But uh, that's, that's all we're spending. It seems, seems to be clear now, again, not just for you guys in the U.S. or for us here in Europe, but worldwide, that at the back end of this health crisis, there is uh, going to be some sort of financial crisis. No one knows to what degree, depending on how the various government packages work to try to keep economies going. But we're going to take some kind of hit in the back end of this. What, what are you thinking in terms of planning towards that? What are some, some thoughts in your, you know, right now? What, what, what are you thinking? So, um, you know, that's a great question. And honestly, just to be real with you, I'm struggling really bad with this question. I mean, because I'm dealing with it every day. I'm trying to decide. Uh, I, I'm trying to forecast the future, which, I mean, who God only knows what the next 90 days, 180 days are going to look like. When things get turned back on, slowly, I believe it will. It's going to impact the community, the economy, worldwide and in everyone's country that they live in. So that's going to impact our ties and offerings. So with that in mind, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm taking every dollar I have and I'm holding it so close to my chest. I'm like, I don't want to part with this. Almost like when you're on an airplane and you're taking off and they give you the, if we lose cabin pressure, mask will fall from the top. Put the mask yeah. on yourself first and then put it on the, your child or whatever. And right now I'm thinking first, I got to make sure I got my own mask on because the, I think the church will be the lagging indicator of the financial problem in other words maybe this is not true it is in america but maybe not in europe or, or ireland people will wait till the last minute they they pay their electricity bill their power bill whatever it is their heating bill there in, in ireland okay they'll pay for it with their credit card the first month they might do it a second month in their mortgage and now all of a sudden their credit cards are maxed out but they don't have enough money my, my power bill is going to get turned off tomorrow and they call the church. Well, why didn't you call me, you know, 90 days ago when you were starting to put this on your credit card? And so they're in a crisis. Now, I know that the due date of all of that stuff is going to happen. So I'm trying to hold as much as I can for those people in those crises in those moments. Yeah. So here's what I'm doing. People are giving money to the church for disaster relief. That's kind of a category we have. 
for here it's hurricanes or whatever. Right now it's it's COVID nineteen. So people are give, been giving towards that. So we have a pool of money for that. We have a budgeted amount of money that we have put aside that we're still putting money into right now called benevolence. Um, so those two pools, I'm slowly every week I'm getting a, a temperature on what is the balance of those two, and I'm slowly dripping some out of the disaster relief to help people in our community, and also to help people in our church with the benevolence. And so I'm just going to drip some out, but I'm going to hold on to some so that I can try to ride this out because I don't know how long this is going to last. Okay. Well, I appreciate Does you. That that, brother. Yeah, absolutely. It's really, it's really, it's wisdom, you know, and again, it's something that we can do no matter what size um, we're at. Let me kind of pivot for a second and just throw out an open question. You know, we talk about leadership as a thing and over the years, some of the great minds in the church and even in the business world, the Maxwells, the Heibels, all these kind of guys talk about various facets of leadership. What part of leadership do you think is most important right now? Like to rephrase it differently, what is a leader's most important job right now? That's a great question. I think uh, there are different types of leaders. I guess if, if I could break it down to kind of two categories of leaders, both are extremely important uh, all the time. But in certain cases, at certain times, some are more important than others. There are managers and, and then there are leaders, I guess I would call it. Now, both of those have leadership gifts. Now, I mentioned earlier in this podcast that most of my team doesn't run fast enough to keep up with me and it aggravates me. Okay. And I need managers around me to, to implement and manage and lead the projects that I already have. Okay. Uh, and then leaders are people that are forward thinkers. They're, they're already, and I'm three steps ahead of everybody else, but I'm just waiting until everybody gets there so I can unload the information. Doesn't make somebody a better leader. Those are just the two skill sets, right? Mm-hmm. Forward thinking versus managing. All right, right now, managers, pastors who are just good managers, just are finding themselves responding rather than being proactive. And, and that's yeah. a, that's a dangerous place to be, honestly. It puts them at a disadvantage in moments like this. It puts them at a huge advantage when it's just daily operations as the church normally is because they're great at just doing the task and, and making sure the project is finished. But in moments like this, they're behind the eight ball. So I, I don't even know uh, how to help solve that problem, but it's something I'm trying to do by giving resources to pastors who are great managers, but aren't as proactive because they need to be able to go to a package, open it up and go, Oh, here's the things I need to do uh, to lead in this moment so they can be proactive. So that's the most important thing. We're going to talk about it later. And I have a website with resources they can go download and copy and paste for SOPs and all the things that they need. But uh, that's the people that are at a disadvantage in this moment right now. Awesome. Well, Florida has been in our news over here in recent days, not because of hurricanes or because of COVID-19, but because a certain uh, well-known athlete just purchased a new house down there. Uh, of course, yes. most people here most people here don't know a lot about NFL, but to, they, don't, they, they are aware of the name Tom Brady. And that he just purchased a 20,000 square foot mansion for over $7 million. 
not far from you. So my burning question is, is will you get an invite for tea with Tom? Is that going to happen? I see Tom, tea, Tom Brady in his podcast. Tea with Tom. You know, he called me yesterday, wanted to be on the Relational Leader podcast. But, <laughs> you know, I told him we got we to gotta build a relationship first. And so I kind of put him on ice Take it easy. for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Man, hey, man, I would like to have his house for like a put a campus in there. That's a pretty good size <laughs> campus. It's true. I mean, it's larger than most like church buildings it. here. Let me tell you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a good sized place. Are you kidding me? How'd you like to live in that? I could never see my wife and live in that thing. That could be good or bad. <laughs> I was talking to a friend who is in um, he's pastoring in California, and I said, "How are you managing in this crisis?" And he said, "Oh, like we're stuck at home. I'm here barbecuing by the pool." And it's, you know, 90 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, 30, but 30 degrees Celsius. And I said, I said, bro, I said, that's, that's not, that's not quarantine. That, we call that vacation. We call it a holiday. You know, <laughs> <laughs> quarantine has been stuck in, you know, some, some cabin in, in the rain, in the Listen, cold. You know? I, I can't help that God spoke to me and told me to come to Florida. I, this is my cross the bear, man. What do you want me to do? Disobey, disobey uh, God. <clears throat> Yeah, make, it would make me feel better if you would. You know, be miserable for a while. <laughs> oh, I'm, anything I could do, Jamie, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, getting ready to kind of bring this thing in for landing then. Um, kind of last set of questions. Um, you know, as we, you, and again, you're, I appreciate your honesty and just you're just as, as uncertain as all of us as to where this thing's going to go on so many levels. But just, you know, in terms of what you can see and what you do see, where do you think this thing is going? As you look at the future, do you feel optimistic for the church, more pessimistic? I mean, from your point of view, what are some of the worst case, best case scenarios? What's possible uh, through this COVID-19? Like you talk about the difference between leader, manager, as you're sitting there at your leader perspective, how do you feel with the future of the church and this COVID-19 thing? I actually uh, think the church is going to be a lot better because I, I believe, and this is just, this is a Randyism, so this, you know, is, is not worth a whole lot. Uh, especially when you're in Ireland and you use the name Randy. However, uh, let me <laughs> let me just say that uh, I think we'll be better because we have put too much emphasis on weekend service as a church, as an entity, as an organization. Uh, we did. And I think it's important, but that's only half of the importance of the the church. We all know this. I don't have to teach you know pastors about the importance of the home. The home groups or house to house as well. But it, the reality of it is most of our measurements in success was on attendance, weekend service. Now everything is on relational connectivity. And that should still be a part of the landscape of the church, even after we go back to our whatever normal is going to be. So I think we'll be stronger as a result of that. Now, how's that going to happen? Boy, I wish I wish I exactly knew. But I promise, I, if I had to guess, I would say that it's probably going to turn on the way that it turned off slowly, uh, which means, it, which I was so disappointed, Jamie, because my mind, here's the vision I had. Oh, when this thing turns back on, everybody's going to be so excited to come back to church. And I was going to do like revival stuff. You know, we're going to have service Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, all day on Sunday. And it's just going to be a big well, that ain't going to happen because they're going to probably let gatherings of 250 people and then, you know, maybe larger. And then I don't know what all is going to happen. So I'm actually, I'm still 
discouraged about that. And starting after Easter, I will begin to meet with my team to plan when this thing comes back on, what is Bayside going to do? How is it going to look? What are the things that we're going to continue to do? But what I can say is digital groups uh, are growth track. Uh, we, we've launched that now fully digital and, and that's going well, but I mean, we're making adjustments. I think we'll continue to do all of those things like we were doing and people just can't attend that stuff. They can't attend groups. They're traveling, they're working, whatever the situation is, but they can still be relationally connected this way. So I'm optimistic that the church is going to be healthier as a result of this. Now, my realist side, because I'm not a pessimist, but I am a realist, that people are going to flood churches like they did post 9-11 or other disasters or, or crises that happened. And I just hope we as a church will speak to where they are and have church that speaks to who they are, not just what is going on in their life, so that that fruit will remain. Amen. What, what do you do in terms of a post-Easter series? We just decided we're going to do a three-week series after Easter. So we're going to, by then we should know what's going on. We're going to do a three-week series on Psalms. That, that's basically it. Just pick a Psalm and teach from that. I'm, and my three main communicators, myself and Pastor David, who's uh, from Ireland, although you would say it's not really Ireland. We won't get into that. It's not, but I love Northern. it. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and then Bernard, one of my other main communicators, we're going to each do a week of Psalms after uh, Easter. And then from there, we go into, uh, we're going to do a big thing at Mother's Day. Are we going to start having church then? Uh, is it still going to be digital? We haven't planned too much after that because we're trying to wait and see what's really going to happen. That's really encouraging as well. I just I know it's just a caveat statement, but you haven't planned too much after that. Mother's Day for you guys is in May, is May. it? Yes, yeah, May twelfth or thirteenth, is it? Yeah, but what you're saying is you're not you're not freaking out too much beyond May, which is really good to hear that at your level you're kind of going. Let's get as far as May done, and we'll keep we'll keep adapting uh, as this thing unfolds. You're not you don't feel the need to kind of have the whole year planned out as you would have in normal programming circumstances. Yeah, well, I have found that we can be nimble and. So, you know, as big as we are, we turned into a speedboat and we're making turns left and right very quickly. And so now, now I know what we can do. And so it's always going to be like this now. We're going to, we're going to adjust and make some decisions quickly. However, we're not going to over plan because I promise you things are going to change. That's good. That's good. Well, I want to thank you, Pastor Randy, for your time, for your input, for your wisdom. Thank you for being a great example of Christian leadership, uh, as always, but also, and especially in this time of crisis, not only for the church, but more importantly, with you know how you're leading yourself, your family. Um, such an inspiration, and I'm so blessed to uh, have had this time with you today. As we close, where can leaders connect with you more? Where can they connect your resources? What, for example, are your handles for social media, Instagram? How can someone find you? Yeah, so uh, it's just Randy Bezet. Uh, that's where you can you can find me out on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. Uh, all the resources that we have provided for churches, which we actually have taken our worship sets and recorded them and put them on randybezet.com. So Fantastic. we have other churches across America who can't do worship. 
So they'll take our worship set and they'll play it and then put their message on the back end of that. So that's available on there. Uh, every resource and document that we have for how do you do kids ministry at this time. Uh, we actually have kids ministry videos and the things that we're doing for them are on the website. It is loaded with stuff. How, how do you uh, manage your money at this time? Uh, how do you uh, plan for weekend services? How do you run youth ministry? It, all of that is on the website. So take it. You can download the information, copy, paste, put your own church's name on there and use it. Uh, I think it's a great resource. And we've had and that literally... Web, and that website, one, once again, is, is what? RandyBizette.com. Excellent. And of course, your podcast is available in the uh, podcast and uh, the podcast app. Phenomenal. Get people to follow that. Another cool thing for all of our European listeners to know is that uh, Pastor Ronnie has generously uh, extended an invitation to join him on a live Zoom call where uh, he'll be sharing some more leadership wisdom and also give you an opportunity to um, connect with him, ask some questions and uh, be encouraged. And so details will go out uh, about that after. So again, thank you so much, Pastor Randy. We love you and appreciate your time wisdom. Yeah, Jamie, thank you. This was a great opportunity. I love you. You're a dear friend of mine and I love spending time with you. We talk regularly and spend time together in Ireland. And mostly you come here to Florida. You're always looking for a reason to come here. Uh, but yeah, man. I, uh, yeah, I mean, you're a smart, smart man. And I, I love having you over here and playing golf and doing whatever. But uh, thank you for this opportunity and connecting me with pastors and leaders there that you're with. I hope this has been a great encouragement. And I'm looking forward to the Zoom call and just interacting some more. And uh, God bless the church there all over Europe and Ireland. We're going to be better, guys. I am so optimistic and encouraged about the future. Hey, Amen. Love you, bro. Love you, too. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. For more resources, visit randybazette.com.